Everything in Seven Stories by Andy Jones Narrated by the author Story 4 Ring of the Fisherman Part 1 He had been doing it successfully for the past few months, but right now David could hardly sum up the strength to look into the Holy Father's eyes. With all his might, he did it anyway. He held his hand tightly, knowing the pain that the old man was going through, wishing he could bear some of it for him. Pope Clement XV had been the Bishop of Christ for 27 years. Almost all of that time he was sharp, quick-witted and ready to serve. But in the last six months, he had turned into a very frail old man. Cardinal David Roberts, his loyal friend, had been by his side for almost all of the last few months, refusing to leave. He wanted to attend to the Pope's every need. Ever since he was befriended by the Holy Father two years ago, David found some solace in Pope Clement's words and warmth in his kindness. Until now, he had been told that when the time came, the Pope's place in heaven was assured. But something was torturing his mind now. Why does the Lord make this old man suffer so? Nobody deserved the pain that was visibly shaking the old man's fragile body with such unrepentant agony, but especially not the man who had done so much good, who had touched the lives of so many people and modernised the church for the better. And so, when he couldn't take it any more, feeling the squeeze of the old man's hand, David turned away and closed his eyes. Please, God, hear me just once. Don't let this man, the best of us, suffer any longer. He prayed and hoped and held the Pope's hand even tighter. Pope Clement XV had been shocked at the speed of his own body's deterioration over the past half a year. But he had faith. He took it in his stride. He was even thankful. The way he saw it, it was God's way of giving him advance warning so he wouldn't mistake the signs that it was nearly time for him to enter the kingdom. Particularly in the last few months, he saw the worry and strain written across the face of those nearest to him. They knew he was not long for this earth either, but he didn't want them to fret. Don't worry, brothers, he would tell them. I look forward to the next great chapter in my life. My soul is prepared. My father will not let me down. He would smile. And eventually, so did they. His reassurance lifted their concerns away. The only one who never seemed to smile was Cardinal David Roberts, the young cardinal he took under his wing just a couple of years ago. It was a curious and unconventional friendship. David was not only one of the youngest men to be made a cardinal in recent years, he was also British. For a Pope of traditional Italian stock to befriend David in such a way was not usually what happened. But for Pope Clement, these issues mattered not. He saw love and compassion in the young cardinal's eyes. And whenever he saw David, it reminded him of the wonderful gifts God gives us all. But he also saw something else constantly hiding behind David's eyes. Doubt. Pope Clement spent a great deal of time with priests and others who had felt their faith waver. 
He felt it was his sacred duty to care for them in those dark hours. Usually, after a while, with Clement's help, their feelings would resolve the conflict. Prayer and deep discussion would usually restore them back to their full selves. But for Cardinal David Roberts, that never fully worked. There was something in the back of David's mind, eating away at him, which even he could not acknowledge. If only I had more time on this earth, the Pope thought. Maybe I could have restored faith fully in this young cardinal's heart. But these thoughts were becoming more sporadic in the Pope's mind now. The pain, it was so great. It was stopping him from seeing clearly, stopping him from thinking things through properly. This wasn't right. It wasn't supposed to end like this. He had already spoken to God. He was going to feel happy. The restrictions and oppression of this bounded life would give way to the next one. He was supposed to feel something. He was supposed to feel like he was being taken away to the next life, to the Lord. But he felt no movement, only the pain. He swore for one moment that he saw his mother, but he was lucid enough to know it wasn't real. He was seeing things, seeing things as his brain gave way. His heart felt like it was going to burst. It made him bolt upright for a moment before falling back. He saw the light fading as David looked back at him and mopped his brow. But he couldn't feel it anymore. The medication he had been given was stopping him from feeling anything externally. David tried his best to look upon the Pope in a warm way. He didn't know what to do. He was convinced that there would be a revelation. In these last few minutes, something would affirm his faith once and for all. The Pope had promised as much. But now Clement XV looked anguished and confused. Finally, the Pope opened his mouth. No words at first, just an exhale of breath. David moved in closer. He had to hear anything that was being said now. He just had to. His very faith depended on it. I see. What is it? What do you see, Eminence? The Pope turned to his young friend. With fear in his eyes, he finally spoke. I see. Nothing. Clement XV was horrified. It was not supposed to be like this. It was not supposed to be like this. How could it possibly be like this? Then all was black. David's heart pounded. The final three devastating words from the Pope burnt into his ears. He felt the old man's tight grip loosen and his hand give way. The Holy Father was dead. Part 2 
The young cardinal could barely keep the tea down that Cardinal Delio made him. Delio looked into the young man's eyes. It was clear David Roberts was upset about the Pope's death, who wasn't, but it had affected David in a profound way. Cardinal Delio was old school. He was an orphan who had been brought up by the church in Rome. He had known nothing else but the church and had barely left Vatican City. But he was greatly respected. He was as much a part of Rome as the great works of art and statues that lay across the city in abundance. David knew Delio understood the inner workings and the politics of the Vatican better than most. And now, more than anything, David needed the kind of wise counsel the old cardinal could offer. You needn't worry yourself too much, David, Delio said, resting an old hand on the young man's shoulder. The Holy Father is with God now in the kingdom of heaven. David said nothing. He just looked down into his cup of steaming tea. Was the tea too hot for you? David looked up. He told me, what is it? You can speak to me, my friend. Whatever is on your mind, you can share it here. Tears seemed to form in David's eyes. Why did the Pope tell me that he saw nothing? Delio leaned back and took a breath. After a moment, he nodded. These were his last words? David nodded. Delio stroked his goatee. His eyes narrowed deep in thought. Then, when all men come to the end, even wise ones such as Clement XV, it's perfectly natural to fear the end. The things they say at the moment, you can't take it with any degree of accuracy. But it seemed like he meant it. Delio smiled. I'm sure it seemed that way. You've suffered an awful loss. We all have. But what was said exactly, I don't think it really reflects the true feelings of our Pope. You must see that, surely. David thought, I don't see that at all. I see a man on his deathbed, finally telling me the truth. But David nodded anyway. He looked up at Cardinal Delio, who was already busy scribbling something down on headed paper. He handed it to David. It said, Shed not a tear for me, for I will be by the side of my Lord's father now. David looked back at Delio. That's not what he... I know, I know. This wasn't the accurate, exact words that the Pope uttered before passing over to the other side. But David, this is almost certainly true to the spirit of the man. And had he been capable, these would have certainly been his last words. Sadly, his illness prevented the real truth from coming out. I'm not sure. Then all I ask is you allow me to be sure for the both of us. David didn't know what to say. But Delio was so confident and relaxed, he decided to follow the wiser head in the room. Delio could see David was coming around. He smiled again. You're a good man, David. Everyone thinks so. You've achieved so much and touched the hearts of so many people in your young life already. The Pope, may he rest in peace, did much to renew faith in many also. At a time like this, it's important to allow for a 
continuity of faith amongst the people. Why confuse the millions of Catholics around the world with a vague last sentence that may only leave them with anguish and doubt at a time when they need faith and resolve? David thought, this is wrong. It doesn't feel right. I know what he said. I know what he meant. There is nothing. But with despair in his heart and with his guard down, David couldn't control what he was saying. Yes, yes, I understand. If this is what we decide the Holy Father's last words were, then these were his last words. Cardinal Delio leaned in towards David and smiled. You're a good man, David. The Pope was so proud of you and grateful for your friendship, as am I. Anything you need over the next few days and weeks, just ask me. Cardinal Delio waited until he was outside of the Pope's main residence before making the call. In the cold of the square, he waited, listening to the dial tone before an old cardinal who he had known all his life answered. Any complications? The old voice finally asked on the end of the line. Nothing too serious, said Delio. The boy is upset, of course, but aren't we all... The Holy Father may have said something a little confusing in his dying moments, but I suggested an alternate set of last words. And? And he has agreed to accommodate me. As long as he can tow the official line, that's all I care about. Oh, he will, old friend, he will. Cardinal Delio looked up to the night sky. It was an uncharacteristically clear and chilly October night, and the stars were exceptionally bright. An idea stirred in his body. Though he was still on the phone, he wasn't really speaking to the elderly cardinal when he uttered. In fact, this young man is so accommodating that maybe his true calling is yet to come. The elderly cardinal grunted on the other end of the line. Maybe. We shall discuss it in more detail in the days to come. And with that, the two men hung up. Cardinal Delio slowly walked out of the square and deeper into the midnight air. The next few days would require much thought and much prayer. Part 3 Even the Camalengo didn't seem as moved as David as he entered into the Grand Room. Maybe he was just trying to look in control, as he was now officially the acting head of the church. The Camalengo couldn't initiate any new rules or orders, but he was technically the seat of the Vatican until a new pope could be elected. David had sympathy for the Camalengo, but could feel his own head pounding with doubt. He knew the Camalengo was tasked with a mighty duty, but somehow he would have been happy to have traded places with him. He thought, a heavy burden, but it can't weigh as heavily as the one in my head right now. David glanced over towards some of his fellow cardinals, who had all assembled in the ancient and majestic room. He didn't know all of their names, but recognised most of the faces. Like him, they were some of the cardinals closest to the late Pope. As his dearest friends, they were all asked to attend and witness this important ceremonial duty. David thought, I wonder if any of them have had these same doubts. I can't imagine that to be possible. 
In the centre of the room, placed carefully on an elaborate font, was a series of clamps. Slowly, the Camalengo walked towards it. Out of his pocket, he produced a shiny golden object, the ring, the late Pope's ring of the fisherman. The Camalengo held the ring up so that everyone, especially the cardinals, could see it. Once most of the senior cardinals had seen it and nodded, he proceeded to place the ring on the font and tightly bind it with the clamps. David nearly jumped when he saw a dark form moving from the shadows. His thoughts were making him edgy. He corrected himself as soon as he could, hoping the others would not see his immediate reaction to the person now moving into the light. It was the Cardinal Chamberlain, in full ceremonial uniform. He had a chisel in his left hand, a hammer in the other. Both were elaborately decorated with a cross. Gentlemen, the Chamberlain said, before we commence in this sacred duty, let us now bow our heads for a moment and remember our Holy Father. And in doing so, let us pray that our Lord will bring forth a new Pope who will be as wise and noble as the man who he sought to take from us last night. David saw everyone bow their heads. He did the same. But he could not pray. As he closed his eyes, he only saw the Pope's face. The fear in his eyes. The realisation of... What? Of a truth? A truth that he uttered with his last breath? I see nothing. Nothing? David always thought that the light of the end of the tunnel was a cliché, that there was something false about it. He had heard about how pilots in Air Force testing had blacked out in G-Force conditions and seen the same light and had an out-of-body experience. But on your deathbed to see nothing? To be the Pope and only see darkness? He thought, what if there is nothing? What if blackness is all that awaits us? There. He had asked the question at last, and he cursed himself for asking. David didn't realise that he had opened his eyes long before everyone else. The other cardinals crossed themselves and raised their heads back up. David quickly did the same, trying not to look out of place. The Cardinal Chamberlain looked around to check everyone was back before he held the chisel and hammer aloft. With a careful positioning, he placed the chisel on top of the Pope's ring of the fisherman. With a striking blow that rang out across the room, he hit the hammer down on the chisel with all his might. After repositioning the chisel to cross the new mark that was made in the ring, the Chamberlain hurled the hammer down again, creating a cross over the ring. He paused for a moment. The blows had taken the wind out of him slightly. He looked curiously down at the ring. He had done this once before with the previous Pope. He was expecting the ring to give way, but it hadn't. He smacked the hammer down one more time. It finally cracked. He pulled the clamps away, and the ring fell apart, broken in four pieces. The cardinals murmured in acknowledgement. It was now done. The gold from the ring would be taken away and recast into a new ring of the fisherman for the new Pope, whoever that would be. David stood staring at the altar as the other cardinals joined the Camalengo and Cardinal Chamberlain out. 
Was Delio right? David was holding out for any hope he could find, searching for a faith that seemed now so elusive. Maybe he needed to speak to Cardinal Delio again and take some comfort from the senior man's words. Maybe Delio was right. Whenever a pope dies, it must surely be common for all to see their faith waver. What's needed is a higher resolve and the help of our fellow man. I must be strong in this hour, he thought. David spoke the words to himself, hoping that he'd start to obey them. The distant bell that rang snapped David out of his dream. He looked around. He was the only person left in the room. The font stood, still brightly lit, but now empty. That bell. He knew what it meant. He had to hurry. Like the other cardinals, he was now needed for an important duty. Part 4. Cardinal Valenti was looking out of the window. Dark clouds were forming over Vatican City. He hoped it wasn't a premonition. He turned his attention back to his office. His old friends were all there, many of them talking over each other. This was their purpose. The meeting in this antique room of his was simple. For generation after generation... The meeting of the Sacred College of Cardinals was where the real decision would be made. But it was in this room that the real decision over who should be shortlisted for the next Pope was made. The preferred ones, or preferiti, were created here. It had been that way for centuries. Strictly speaking, any Catholic could become Pope. In the past, heated debates had raged for days, but now time was of the essence. Cardinal Valenti raised his hands. Gentlemen, please. Finally, they quietened down. Thank you. I need not remind you that the ceremony to break apart our last Holy Father's Ring of the Fisherman has finished. Already the word has spread to the outside world. It will not be long before we all shall be expected to attend conclave. In the old days, one German-sounding cardinal remarked, the men before us had more time to make the decisions that we need to make in this room. That is true, said Valenti, but we don't live in that world anymore. The people outside with their internet and 24-hour news need to know that things are happening right away. It used to take days before the public even knew of a pope's death, let alone that conclave had begun. Now it's all over the world in minutes, so we must act fast and make the decision. The decision, said another cardinal, is a simple one to make, is it not? The next pope is almost certainly in this room. Let's not kid ourselves. It's just a case of... You sound so sure. The interruption had stopped the cardinal in mid-flow. They turned to see where it came from. Sitting on his own in a corner of the office was Cardinal Delio. Delio, said Valenti, do you have some insight you'd like to share? Insight? No, I have no insight. Just a thought. Or maybe a sign from God. I leave that judgment up to you. There is one man who can do both things we require. What do you mean? For the past four hours and more, Delio said, we've been conflicted over our choice. 
We don't believe that a cardinal from outside this group can be nominated. And why? Because increasingly outsiders can't be kept in line. Valenti swallowed hard. Delio was right. That was precisely what they had been saying, or more accurately, what they had been delicately talking around. But, Delio continued, some of you have rightly observed that we have a problem. A problem that a pop from within these four walls cannot solve. Valenti nodded. The need for modernization. Well, Delio said, I'd rather say the need for the appearance of modernization. Do you see? All the cardinals smiled and nodded. Delio had a remarkable way with words. My brothers, we do have a problem. To the people out there, we old men don't fit anymore with a changing public attitude. But a modernizer could continue to weaken the church's moral authority, said the German cardinal. That is true, said Delio, but there is a cardinal for which this is not the case. A man who could be upheld as the new modern face of our church, while at the same time could be kept in line and influenced for the better by ourselves. Who is it you refer to? said Valenti. Cardinal Delio smiled. Young David Roberts. There were audible gasps among the cardinals. Was he mad? If anything, some had thought that Delio would have made a good choice in his own right. But the British cardinal, surely not. Delio leaned forward. Hear me out, brothers. I know this man. He is young and impressionable. But that is only a cause of concern if you are not the one making the impression. I shall be by his side at all times. An elderly camelengo, if you will. I will be the one providing him with moral counsel. It's a radical idea, I know, but it suits a radically changing world. After a moment, Cardinal Valenti walked through the others and up to Delio. He kneeled and kissed his dear friend's hand. As always, said Valenti, your wisdom guides us all. There was a murmur in agreement. Like that, the decision was made. Outside, a bell rang. It was time. Part 5 David had kept his head down as he shuffled into conclave with the other cardinals. He didn't want to be seen, lest someone saw the truth in his eyes. The truth about his doubts. It was only after the door shut that he felt his heart race. They know. They're going to find out how I feel. It was as if everyone was looking at him. A few of the older cardinals pointed over to his general direction and whispered to each other. It seemed like the whispers were being spread around the room. Oh, what are they going to do to me? He could feel his own breathing getting heavier. It seemed like the walls of the Sistine Chapel were coming in on him. Walking past him, cardinals smiled and nodded. 
it felt like some artificial reverence in a way. David didn't understand it. Were they just savouring the moment before he would be interrogated? He had never had to attend Conclave before. He didn't know what happened in secret behind these walls. They elected a pope, but the mechanisms of how it happened, he didn't really know. He was handed a sheet of paper. The paper felt rustic. It had a rough texture to it. All the cardinals were writing on their paper and folding it up, placing it in a golden box near the altar. David knew what he was supposed to do, but surprised himself that he hadn't even given it much thought. His guilt was overriding his sacred duty. He was supposed to vote on who he would like to see as the next pope. He was lost. What do I write? Oh, almost everyone else was done. In a few more minutes, they'd be waiting on him. He could see Cardinal Delio, the only genuinely friendly face in the whole chapel, slowly walk up to him. David wanted to run over to him and beg for help, but he was rooted to his spot. Delio placed a reassuring hand on David's shoulder. Immediately, some of the tension went from David's mind. Delio is here to help me. Take your time, David. He leant in closer and whispered, Whatever happens, I will always be here for you. He tapped David on the back and wandered over to some of the other senior cardinals. David was suddenly unsure of himself again. What did Delio mean? Is something going to happen to me here? Something terrible? He wanted to know more, but knew he couldn't. Delio was the only person who had shown him any compassion and understanding since the Pope's death. David didn't know who the preferiti were in this election, but he was resolved enough to write a name on his paper. Cardinal Delio. He folded his paper and placed it into the gold box, happy not to be the last one to vote. Many of the cardinals were still smiling at him, but inside he felt he didn't deserve even their slightest platitudes. I'm not worthy of voting with you great men. He sat down in a far corner, away from the prying eyes of the others. The kind look still kept coming, but quite some time had passed and he was too exhausted to worry about what that could possibly mean anymore. The more he sat alone in that quiet corner of the Sistine Chapel and thought, the more he realised that his faith had been shaken, possibly in a fundamental way that he could not suppress, not indefinitely. It would finally consume him until he realised the full, ultimate truth. I am living a lie. There, he said it. He had said it. And in the Sistine Chapel, of all holy places. That can't be what I think. It just can't be. But the words still haunted him. And he knew. He knew it was not just about the darkness that the late Pope described as he died, it was about something else. Something that happened just over a year ago when he hadn't been a cardinal for long. The incident. There was a big procession through the city of London. Catholics far and wide had come out in support. David, with the blessing of the Pope, made sure the procession ended just outside Westminster Abbey. He was to pray with the Archbishop of Canterbury as a gesture of unity and love. But it never happened. As David arrived at the Abbey, a bomb went off. Thirty-four people died. 
Initially, the UK government blamed terrorists working for the new libertarian Brazilian government in an attempt to sabotage what should have been a happy day in Britain. For days, the newspapers uncritically went along with that narrative. But after a while, a lone freelance investigative journalist discovered the truth. In fact, he stumbled onto it. It turned out to be a dissident faction of the IRA. They had openly admitted to doing it. Under the propaganda against Brazil, it was just a case that no one had heard them. They proudly admitted to planting the bomb and provided irrefutable video evidence. They didn't want unity. They simply wanted to hate. It had been weighing on the back of David's mind for some time, and now he couldn't take it anymore. He wanted to scream, a plague on all our houses, and be done with this life. David looked up, suddenly aware of the silence that had taken over the whole chapel. Everyone was staring at him. Oh God, they know. They can read my thoughts. A voice boomed from the middle of the room. It is decided. Cardinal David Roberts has been chosen. All at once the cardinal shuffled to one side. A clear path lay between David and the figure in the middle of the room. The man kept moving closer to David until he could finally see who it was. The dean of the College of Cardinals. The dean stood before David. David was too frightened to stand. The dean knelt, then spoke in clear yet hushed tones. Do you accept your election? David opened his mouth. It was dry. He didn't even know he was doing it, but somehow the traditional word accepto stammered out from the back of his throat. Everyone in the room knelt down before him. David realised the awful truth. He was the new Pope. In that instant, that was all it took. There would be an inauguration ceremony in a few days, but that would be a mere formality. In the moment he uttered the word accepto, he became the new Vicar of Christ. David stood, surprised that his legs would let him. The dean looked up. Eminence, by what name shall you be called? David felt like he had no control over his actions. He was overwhelmed, yet from somewhere he heard himself say, Luke. The other cardinals looked surprised. The dean raised an eyebrow momentarily, but then kissed David's hand. Eminence, long live Pope Luke I. Part 6. He had endured two full days since his inauguration and still David, now Pope Luke I, could not settle. He knew that something was wrong. Despite Cardinal Delio's best efforts, David was sinking further and further into despair. Delio had looked to the heavens for guidance. Picking David was his choice and already the signs of cracks were visible. The other senior cardinals were putting pressure on him to sort out this new Holy Father. And though he couldn't admit it publicly, inside Delio knew he was losing his grip on the young Pope. 
David was pacing up and down in full regalia as Delio desperately tried to calm him. Your eminence, please, just take deep breaths, you'll be fine. This speech is nothing to worry about. Just pretend the crowd are not there. Imagine you are speaking with passion to just one person. It always works for me. Delio was doing everything he could to work with Pope Luke, but it was getting harder by the hour. The new Pope had only publicly spoken once and it was a shambles. Right after his inauguration, his speech to the masses was an uncertain and weak performance, to say the least. The new Pope turned to his old friend with anguish in his eyes. Delio, it's not the crowd. I, I just don't know what's being asked of me. I don't know what I'm supposed to be doing. Delio stood up and placed a firm but reassuring hand on the Pope's shoulder. You're supposed to be serving God. You're supposed to do your duty. And when you need help and guidance, I am always here. It shouldn't be me doing this job at all. It should be you who's... Delio whispered a gentle hush. Now, now, please don't think like that, he said, guiding David back down to his seat in front of the lavish papal desk. Let's take your mind off your worries for a moment. Here, why not sign these papers? You'll be doing a great deal of good. David stared down at the documents in front of him. It took him a few moments to finally focus on them. He raised his pen before reading further. What are these papers? Eh, just a little business that a Pope needs to put his mark to, said Delia reassuringly. David continued to read. Who or what is Marvelox? It's a corporation in the United States. It's a uh, pharmaceutical company. They make incredible products and send them to all the far corners of the world. They have truly incredible anti-malaria tablets at the moment that are doing wonders in Sri Lanka. I don't understand. Why should I sign this? And why does the Vatican Bank want to buy stock in such a company? Cardinal Delio smiled warmly at his young friend. Your eminence... It's a complicated thing, I know, but the Marvelux Corporation are producing superb products right now, and have even more in the pipeline. I have reliable information that the stock we buy today will be much more valuable in the next 24 hours. If we make a profit, then that's like the poor and oppressed of the world making a profit. The money that we have can do wonders, but think of what we can do with even just 10% more. That's why we have to do this. Delio had finished his speech. He handed the pen back to the Pope. David was too tired to argue, too tired to make sense of it all. I have to trust my old friend, he thought. Otherwise, what else is the use? He signed all three papers. Delio whisked them away and helped a slightly dazed Pope Luke to his feet. You made a wise choice, Holy Father, said Delio. The money we make has already been earmarked to help educate some of the desperately poor in Africa. David felt Delio's hand on his back, gently leading him to the balcony. This was the moment. David stopped. What is the matter, Holy Father? Oh, I'm, I'm not sure I'm ready, Delio. I can't do this. It was time for the new Pope to give his first full weekly address to the gathering crowd in St. Paul's Square. Delio placed the script in his hand while saying, 
It's just performance night nerves. Of all people, I'm sure you remember how the last post you to get exactly the same anxious feelings. Not feeling nervous, said David, looking over the script. I just don't know if what you've written for me here is true to my heart. David thought he heard Delio sigh momentarily before asking, Well, my father, what lines are you unsure of? I don't know. All of it? I mean, like this. My predecessor taught me how God loves us and we must accept both his love and his teachings if we are to enter the kingdom of heaven. I used to accept that thinking all the time, but now? Now it just sounds like a threat. Love me or else. How can that be right? Oh, please, don't trouble yourself. It's not even for a pope to question the wisdom of God. The understanding of these things are quite difficult and... Uh... I have to tell you something, interrupted David. I haven't told a single person since the Holy Father died and it's... eating away at me. Delio smiled. <laughs> Often the desire to confess is truly great. Tell me... Don't carry the burden on your mind anymore. That way, you can go onto that balcony with a full heart. David took a breath. My faith was shaken when that bomb went off just over a year ago. Do you remember? Back home, my home in London. I haven't given that time any thought, not for the past six months at least. I was able to come to Rome and be by the Pope's side and so many of my doubts ebbed away. Until this week, when the Pope told me that he saw nothing. Every feeling I had over a year ago came back to me. I, I, I can't put this any other way. I fear my faith is not what I... Come now, said Delio hurriedly. Doubts like this are normal, especially considering the enormity of your role now. I give you my word, once you finish this public address, we shall pray together and ask the Lord for guidance. David looked at his old friend, trying not to cry. He thought, but that's just the point. I don't believe prayer works anymore. Delio touched his shoulder. It's time, Eminence. The sheer noise of the cheering crowd hit David like a wave. Every part of his body wanted to run back inside, yet somehow he managed to stand and smile, holding up a hand to the people below. After a minute or so, the noise had reduced to a calmer level. He stared out to the tiny dots beneath him, sprawling out into every nook and cranny of St Paul's Square. They were all silent now, ready to hang on his every word. He thought, this is what power sounds like. I want none of it. David looked down at the script that Cardinal Delio had prepared for him, and he knew he could not read it. Not now. Now was the time for truth, and he'd pay whatever consequences he must later. He dropped the papers to the floor and with his left hand, started rubbing the new ring of the fisherman, his ring. The ring I don't deserve to wear. He looked up. It was time. I have a confession to make, Pope Luke I began. 
a confession to you and to every Catholic around the world. Forgive me, for I have sinned. Forgive me, for I am sinning now. He could hear the whispers and panic of Delio and the others behind him. He had gone off script and they were worried. But they can't pull me away, so keep speaking. I lied to you last week. I lied about the last Pope's final words. His real words were simply, I see nothing. And there was fear in his eyes. A fear that haunts me. And has done so since I saw it. For years, millennia even, there has been a gulf between faith and reason. Maybe that gulf is too deep and too wide to cross, but looking at your faces and speaking truth to you now, I realise that as a man cannot live on faith alone, man cannot live on reason alone either. However, with reason comes another vital ingredient, hope. Hope and reason can live together in the mind of a man without faith. Can faith live with hope and reason? Can they coexist? Must faith be transplanted with hope in order for us to truly be free? I don't know. I'm just a man with no magical perception beyond my own senses. But I do know this. I've been afraid because I've been feeling differently to what my fellow church leaders have felt. But that should never be a concern. We mustn't hate those who feel differently to us. We must learn not to tolerate each other, but to love each other. It is within those individual differences, those things that make each and every one of us passionate and different, which gives me reason to hope. David looked out over everyone aware that his eyes had been closed for a good deal of the time that he spoke. His mouth was dry, but he spoke one last time. I ask only this. Give reason and hope a chance. Dare to be different. Touch the earth with your capacity for goodness and love. Above all things, love. Then, if this time on earth is the only time we have anywhere, it'll have been worth it. He stood back. It was deathly silent. Then, one by one, people clapped. The claps became cheers. The cheers became a full-bodied uproar of joy and emotion. David had no real idea what he had said, but in his heart he knew it was right. With the cheers still streaming through, David descended down off the balcony and back into the main room where a bewildered Cardinal Delio waited. David turned to him. I don't think I can do this, old friend. And yet, I don't think I even want someone else to take my place. David took Delio's hand and tightly cupped his ring of the fisherman in it. Delio couldn't say a word. He watched in silence as the Pope, was he still the Pope? Walked out of the room and out of his sight. He still hadn't moved. 
Not even as the crowd cheers settled. Not even as his own phone rang. And rang. Eventually he answered it. What was that? Delio knew the voice. Cardinal Valenti. I... I'm... I'm... I'm not sure, Valenti. You're not sure? Delio looked at the Pope's ring in his hand. There was only one thing to do. Don't worry, he told Valenti. I can deal with this. Part 7 New email message from Laura Trend to Michael Hardington, editor, late edition news desk. Subject, cutting it damn fine. Message. Jesus, Mike, you haven't given me much time to bash this one out. But here's all the info I've gotten from my man inside the Vatican so far. It's patchy, so you might want to trim down the speculative stuff before you send it over to the printers for the late edition. I know you said 200 words, but I'm pushing 250 here. If you want to economise anything, go right ahead. Regardless, hopefully this means we get in print before any of those other bastards. Headline suggestion. Second Pope death in seven days leaves world in mourning, or something to the point like that. I'll leave that for you to decide. Here's the copy. The world will take a minute's silence later on in the morning to mark the sudden and shocking passing of the man who many called an inspiration. Pope Luke I, known just days ago as Cardinal David Roberts, was the first ever Pope to be from Great Britain. Many were shocked at his appointment to the head of the Church of Rome, causing great controversy amid the more conservative wing of the Catholic Church. However, initially, judging by the bland speech he gave on the day of his inaugural, it appeared he didn't seem intent on any great modernising which others had hoped for. That all changed a day ago, when he appeared to suggest that hope and reason were somehow superior qualities to faith, a message that rocked the very foundations of the Church. At 11.35 this evening, as news of the young Pope's peaceful yet sudden death came out, his friend Cardinal Delio made a public statement to the press. Only a very small number of the Pope's closest friends knew that His Holiness had a degenerative brain-wasting disease. Indeed, he confided this to me only the day after he was elected as Pope. It probably explains the rather unusual speech he gave this morning, as he was getting increasingly confused about certain things. The Pope now lies in state, much to the shock of the Vatican. Conclave is expected to start today, with many insiders placing Cardinal Delio as the favourite to succeed Pope Luke I. Copy ends. Hope that's okay, Mike. I'll speak to you and send a detailed follow-up tomorrow morning. Right now I'm beat. Gonna take a shower and conk out in front of the TV for what's left of the night. Love, Laura. That was Ring of the Fisherman. Story 4 from Everything in Seven Stories, written by Andy Jones and narrated by the author. This is a Gold Pictures production. Gold Pictures.